This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by United legend Paul Parker to talk over the last couple of weeks at Manchester United. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, if you can comment, subscribe, um, leave questions down there. If you're watching the replay as well, if you can comment, we do reply on the, the comments that we get. And if you're listening back on the audio podcast, if you can subscribe and leave a positive review on the platform you're listening on as well. Um, joined by Paul. How are you doing this week, Paul? You all right? Yeah, not too bad, Wayne. Not too bad at all. Good, good. Um, all ready for Christmas? <laughs> I don't know. I think I still live in that world of being a being a footballer that it comes around and you don't, you know, it's a hard one to get into, really. The thought of being cooped up in a hotel and not being able to do this and do that always still rings in my mind. Yeah. Um, apologies to everyone listening and watching for the last couple of weeks' absence. Um, I've been struck down with the norovirus, which has been very unpleasant. Um, you could probably tell I'm not 100%, but I thought, you know, it's coming up to Christmas. Christmas Day is going to be when we normally do the podcast, and I don't think I'm going to pull Paul away from wrapping, unwrap, unwrapping presents. I'm sure he's been on the good good list this year, so I don't want to um, get in the way of that. And obviously, there'll be New Year the, the week after, so it might be a couple of weeks until we reconvene. Um, so I thought um, try and get an episode in before we clock off for Christmas. And graciously, Paul has, has given some of his time on this Friday morning. Um, so a lot to get through, Paul. Um, we didn't preview or really talk about the Liverpool game, and in a funny way, I think when we were building to it in the in the podcast, it was kind of like it seemed like it might be an end game for Tenor with the way that the results were going and the mood around the club and everything. And then we were eliminated from. Or we, first of all, we were destroyed by Bournemouth, um, which I don't think that we we did a podcast on. Um, and then we were eliminated by Bayern, which was obviously very very tough in in, in the Champions League and not even in European football. It did feel like if we were beaten heavily by Liverpool that it might raise some questions about Ten Hag's future at the club. And, and really, Paul, I mean, I've, I've taken a little bit of stick. I've got a few Liverpool friends, actually, a few people who follow me who have got Liverpool persuasions. And, and we were talking about this and 
they feel like I'm, I'm being a little bit unkind and maybe it's the word of the weekend which Roy Keane used against uh, Van Dyke, which was arrogant. But I did feel that there was an element of that in Liverpool's play. The first half, you know, this is a team who beaten us 5-4 and 7-0 in the last sort of two years. And I got this impression watching them that that first half, they probably expected to score three or four and they never really got there. Um, then second half, they sort of pulled off a little bit. Well, I mean, in terms of pulling off, I mean, they were attacking, but then they started getting a little bit um, anxious with the shooting, taking decisions that they wouldn't normally take because they're nil-nil. They're obviously not anxious to get those points on the board and United, I don't think they had to defend particularly well. I mean, in terms of Johnny Evans, I thought he did magnificently because what are you going to expect of a veteran at that age? Um, but all in all, it was a better performance from United at Anfield than what we are used to. Not in terms of it being brilliant, but in terms of it not being as bad as what it has been in the last few few years that we've been there. Um and Tenorg really comes out of it with a lot of credit um, and, and his job not on the line, which um, seems a little bit um, strange to be talking about considering the amount of pressure that he's on uh, under at the moment. What did you make of everything that we saw at Anfield? Um, well, first of all, is that everything was built on Liverpool because of the media. The media have made Liverpool into this great side again already in the sense, you know, and, and I've watched Liverpool live twice this season and to be honest they're okay they're not outstanding um but they've got you know the media have gotten um got them now got them down to win the league and everything's great and they're fantastic and so the game was built on that and it seems like the media were pushing it towards you know everything was always talking about the seven so they were very very negative towards manchester united but then the way that United played come, come under major criticism. Because if that had been Jose Mourinho as manager, they would have they would have turned around and said, you know, tactics were right, top class from Jose. Yeah. That's what they would have come out and said. Um, he, he played to what the manager played to what his strengths were, the strengths that are available to him. Um, everyone still wanted to see more, but I think when you look at it, when you look at your most creative player was, um, or the one who makes things happen now and again, was suspended, it makes it very difficult in certain ways. But I think one of the best, one of the best things that happened prior to that game, for me anyway, was to hear that Fernandes was suspended for that game because it allowed the team to have a, dis a disciplined defensive performance in the fact of people knowing their positions and staying in them um, I think it helps as well is to not have Fernandez running around chasing the ref, throwing his arms up everywhere. And that's the most disciplined performance from the Manchester United side. I think since Ten Hag's been there, Wayne, in my yeah. opinion. You can talk about, oh, but weren't doing this, weren't doing that. But what was available, I've, you know, I've never seen the team play in that manner and not under great stress. Frustrating, yes, to watch. They definitely were. But you looked at and always wanted that but because of the way they defended and they got into such good areas. And then in the end, it was just 
wastefulness really that cost him on the attacking side. Well, Anthony was wasteful. When he got in, in, got in good areas, he was wasteful. Yeah. But you can't take away the fact of how he'd done his job on that right-hand side. Because I thought he was excellent on that job of being disciplined and stopping Liverpool, you know, getting, you know, getting a lot of play on that left-hand side. I thought he protected Dallow well. Same sorry, on the right-hand side, sorry. And on the left-hand side, it was no different with Ganacho. He didn't really do a lot, a lot going forward. Um, when he did get the opportunity, I thought Canate could deal with him because of pace and strength. Um, someone a bit quicker could have really exploited it, I thought, especially as, um, as we know that um, Alexander-Arnold doesn't want to defend and Liverpool put him in that position where he, he's trying not to be a right-back. But I think he thought he could have been found out more. But overall, Wayne, we have to say that it was a case of stopping the right and stopping the right in the right way, and United done that as the best of their ability given to them. And the thing about it, the clearer chances or opportunities were made by Manchester United. Yeah, there was that moment um, where Garnacho almost got through. Was it Manu's ball? Well, a word for Manu as well, because I mean, a, a kid. Is the youngest starter in a Liverpool United game at Anfield um, for United at least in the Premier League, um, and I mean that's a, the buzzword that we've used for years on this podcast when we're talking about kids coming into the first team. It's temperament. Um, it's difficult to see. I mean, he was first of all he was brilliant, but second of all, it's difficult to see how Tenog takes him out of the side. There's no justification for it now, considering. They played like he did at Everton and at Liverpool. He's got to be a starter, hasn't he? Yes, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, what I mean, it was a you know when you want to judge somebody, if you could if you had the opportunity, people would think about in the Liverpool Manchester United game at Anfield to test somebody, and his temperament come through a hundred percent. And I used the player again, Fernandez's temperament. Was nowhere near as good as his, without a doubt. Nothing bothered him. The referee tried to ruin it for him by giving him that booking, an unnecessary booking yeah. to a young lad, totally not even thinking about that Michael Oliver. And, you know, nothing, just straight away, just couldn't get, couldn't book him quick enough. A young lad might have been a bit rash, but both of them, both of them slid. And it was a, a poor booking to give to the lad, but the manager didn't panic and whip him off or anything like that straight away. Um, I thought he, after that, you could see he, he kept on his feet. He, he closed down. He never he never stretched out and put himself in that position of making the, trying to make, asking the referee to make a decision because you could imagine that, that. My first thing when I was actually working on the game was to say, he's got that booking now. Every challenge he goes for, the Liverpool fans will be calling for a yellow card to get him off. And generally, I'd normally say that you, you want the right referee there um, to actually to see that. And kind of, he wasn't the right referee, as we found out, really. But still, his, his performance was maybe for kind of the first Manchester United-Liverpool game at that level. It made me go down as one of the best. Yeah, no, um, I don't think that's an, under, uh, an overstatement. Um, I don't want to grumble too much about Michael Oliver, even though I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, I thought Nunes should have gone in the first half. I thought, first of all, the um, the barge on Evans was 
when you watch it again and again and you, you see that he's not even looking for the ball. That's a sending off offence in itself. It's just absolutely horrific what he did. And then to applaud the referee sarcastically for the decision, that should have been a second yellow anyway. So there was two combinations of a way he could have gone in that first half. And then um, Oliver, towards the end, he gave a couple of fouls on the left-hand side, which were just ridiculous. I forget who it was against, but it was really towards the end. He gave um, the United player was fouled and he gave the foul um, against the United player. I can't remember who it was, but he gave them a free kick in a dangerous area, um, which they, they nearly took advantage of. And then the Dallow, um, I think, yeah, all right, he shouldn't have applauded, but it just seemed such a nonsense to, to send him off for that. But can you do, um, you know, United have had tougher decisions than that. In the past, I remember Dennis Irwin being sent off for kicking the ball out of play and missing the FA Cup final. Um, so it's not the first time. We got a question in, Paul, um, from Talking Tennis, um, which is John. Oh, we wrote, well, John, um, he, he asks, do you remember a time um, under Fergie where you were given instructions to be super disciplined? I remember the Romario game, but I mean as a fullback. So anything apart from the Romario game, which I'm sure you'll be glad to forget, um, any times any opponents i do remember that he had a thing about john barnes but that might have been when barnes was at his peak before you were there yeah. um so was there any ever any opponent or any instructions that he gave um about being disciplined and perhaps no. not playing as attacking as you normally would no it wasn't it was that remark it was only that one that, that generally i'm trying to think that one time at one time and it was when he done when he did say that, and on that, and on that, um, on that one, Romario one, Romario, when when he scored, I couldn't do anything about it because Pally took him from me. Yeah, Pally, Pally from from that. I think it was a corner. Pally took him took him from me, and yeah. the boss gave was giving me a rollicking, and I kind of said it. Pally's held up, held his hands up to it, and said, "Yes, he was." I took him from Parks. But then the boss said that then had to go back at me for allowing Pally to do that. Yeah. So so we was we was never going to win the argument. Not that we'd even want to try to win an argument with the boss, especially in front of with other people around, because you're never going to win that argument. But in certain ways, I was given a, a job to do, and I should have been screaming at Pally and telling him no. But when when there's a corner, you ain't, there isn't enough time really to argue about it or to start trying to swap over. So it was that moment, and it. Things could have been different in that game, maybe, if I'd have, if I'd have actually really done what I was told and you know got got near him. But you know, at the end of it, Pally, Pally took responsibility for that, which I'm not going. I would I weren't going to argue about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we go on to the the next games, um, Dan asks: As a professional footballer, how different was your Christmas, especially if you had an away game on Boxing Day? Well, we would come in, we'd come into, I'm just trying to think, yeah, we'd come into Old Trafford for an away game. We'd come in as late as we could, you know, depending where we was going and where we was going, and we'd actually train at the ground. And then we would park our cars underneath, um, right at the top end of um, Munich Tunnel. Yeah. At the the top, not the changing room end, at the top end. Yeah. By St. Matt Busby Way, we'd park our cars underneath there. Half, you know, 
when we arrived, we'd go straight in there, then we would train and then we'd jump in a coach and we'd go to the hotel. So we'd spend a morning, a late morning, maybe an early afternoon at home, and then we'd travel straight to the hotel and then go into the go into the hotel. It doesn't matter what hotel we went to, you know, then you know, we would even go into, you know, say a trust, you know, what's it, a premier in those kind of hotels we're going in. It wasn't always these plush hotels that you go to now, but we'd go into something and there'd always be Christmas dudes going on. And yeah. it'd just be all of us just virtually just listening to it in a private room where we'd go and eat or listen to it all, then walking past everywhere. So it was always difficult, always, you know, to that kind of thing. But you get, like now, as I said to you earlier, Wayne, you get used to it, you get used to it. And I just think you you just come a little bit slightly immune to Christmas because because the job doesn't allow you to go 100% all in. Even yeah. players, when they talk about players, he always gets a yellow card at Christmas, you know, just before Christmas so he can miss it. Even then, I don't think you can really enjoy it because you still have to be, you know, you still have to be part of it. Yeah. doesn't mean you can spend three, four days at home and, you know, leave leave your mates in the trenches. You still, you still want to be a part of it. You still want to be around them because you, you don't want you don't, you think it's, you don't want them questioning you why you're not there in, in, in earring shot because I'm could you know, I can't remember any player being like that for me. But there'd be players who uh, your teammates, teammates would know, you know, they've been dodgy and they would talk about you. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So Christmas schedule for United. Then they've got um, West Ham away on uh, tomorrow at twelve thirty. Um, there's a Christmas Eve game this year as well, which is the first time. I know you love a stat. I know you love it when I come out with my stats, Paul. So the last time there was a Christmas Eve game was United losing three one to Leeds at Ellen Road in nineteen ninety five. Um, I'm sure you might have even played in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember them getting a penalty. Brian Dean scoring like he usually did against us. That game, apart from being a nightmare, um, way to go into Christmas, can I remember that? Really ruining my Christmas Eve. Um, that game was the one that sparked the, you know, at the end of the season when Fergie went off at, at Leeds. Effectively, what had happened is Leeds had lost 6-2 to Sheffield Wednesday the week before they played against us and then obviously turned it on. So Fergie was so wound up by that that by the time that they, we played them at the end of the season and we won 1-0, and again, that's the famous game where um, Radaby went in goal after, I think was it Hooper, Harper, might be, can't remember. Their goalkeeper was sent off. Might be Malbini even, I don't remember. Um, their goalkeeper was sent off. Radaby went in goal, somehow became flipping Lev Yashin in goal and... That, that, and that's definitely an older reference for like I could see Paul's eyes popping out of his head there. And he said Prime Schmeichel. I went I went really old school. Um, even Paul didn't see Levy Ashin play. Um so yeah, we lost um so we won one nil in that game, and then that's the one that Fergie comes out afterwards and he says, like, you know, if Leeds had tried um as hard as as they did against us, then they'd be in the top six, no problem. And that's the thing that caused um, Keegan to have his meltdown um, after 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 Newcastle beaten Leeds at Ellen Road actually. So um, that was our memory of last Christmas game that we played. Um, well, my memory of it anyway, and, and the, the seeds that it's sown. Um, I don't think we're going to be getting an inspired title push out of this. Um, but West Ham away, 
um, Paul, it's a club that you um, have, have seen a lot of. Um, Moyes doing well. Obviously, they won the trophy last season, uh, first trophy for a long time, the Europa Conference. They're adjusting to life without Declan Rice, but they're not doing too Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Badly, you know, like, you see from a Moyes team that they tend to like, have these, like, peaks and troughs, but they're doing quite well at the moment, um, apart from the, the midweek game where I think they, they moved a few players around and, and lost heavily at Anfield in the League Cup. Um I, I do tend to think, though, that with uh, a Moyes team, it's always about momentum. It's not about resting players and everything like that. So maybe, maybe that will count against them when we 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 go there on um, Saturday. What what are you thinking about that game? Are you, are you expecting a tough one for United? It's always going to be a little bit tough because Manchester United come into any town. People, live, you know, everyone lifts themselves. The fans lift themselves, they can't wait for it. They're still good, yeah. bad or indifferent. People still want to go through the turnstiles and watch Manchester United and looking for what people, some people say a famous win, is, as you know, Wayne, the way things are. But it could be quite a a good one to, um, a good one for United because um, there's, a, there's a, they're not happy, West Ham fans. I was with a, quite a lot of them yesterday and the, well, and a lot of them are disgruntled because of um, they all got a lot of them got trapped in Liverpool because of the trains. Yeah. So, they, and they're fuming because of the team that David Moyes put out. Yeah. Um, because they're a lot of the fans are saying there was a great opportunity to go to Wembley. Yeah. Great opportunity for them to go, and they're disappointed. And I was surprised because every not as you. You remember the previous two seasons, every game he's played virtually his main team and everyone's kind of going out, oh, they're going to be tired. He's doing this and doing that. David Moyes is old school, believes in continuity. They've, they've gone and they've gone and they've gone at every single game. And that was an opportunity for West Ham to go to Liverpool. Liverpool's mind would have been on Arsenal this weekend. And the team that Liverpool put out, that you could see that he was thinking about that game, but he they was hoping or, or believing he would go for it because because they were seeing a domestic trophy as the yeah. opportunity to and he and he didn't go and take it. Um, just I didn't like the way he talked after the game when you could you know when he talked about Liverpool when he started bumming up Liverpool and that, that gave him the raving um. So it boils down to the fact of. That six thousand fans went up to Liverpool just before Christmas, and the trains blew up on them. And a lot of them, because a lot of them stayed overnight because of um, the fact of it's you know because of maybe Christmas or whatever, they couldn't get home the next day. So they're fuming. So if United were to start right, it will turn. They are ready. This was been going on for a little while anyway, but results have helped. 
but they will turn. They will turn if United start really well. If United were to go and do something, which doesn't happen a lot of, you know, doesn't happen a lot of late, to go and score early and have a little bit of control on the game, they will really, really turn because they are totally fed up with David Moyes, majority of the West Ham fans. They want to change. You know, as much as people will throw up stats and whatever, they want to change. They want a manager to go at games, to really yeah. go out. And, they, and West Ham don't go at games. West Ham, up until that Wolves game, normally they're behind at half-time or something, or performance is poor, they're maybe hanging on. But they, 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 they've done something completely... I don't know, maybe Wolves forced, forced it upon them because Wolves were that bad. But... Um, I would say that there's an opportunity to go to the London Stadium or go to a West Ham game, and it could be a, more comfortable than normal away games at West Ham are, you know, in that sense. Yeah. You know, and I'm, yeah. I'm saying it, and I'm saying it very, very quietly because, well, not, I'm trying to talk and hoping that my wife ain't listening outside because she's West Ham daft. So, um, but they're, they're, they're very, 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 very disgruntled. People come out and say, but you won a trophy, they're going great. But sometimes, as, <clears throat> as one manager always, you know, made me believe, is that one's never enough. Yeah. And it should, should never be enough. Yeah, I, it's an interesting thing with Moyes because I think you're right. It feels like it's a marriage of convenience there because Moyes, I don't know if anyone can remember this, like as far back as this, if it's a different generation of fan, but. There was by the time that Moyes came to United, he's probably he'd outstayed his welcome at Everton by about three years. But Everton obviously couldn't get anyone better for the job at the time. And Moyes, I think there was a moment where he perhaps Arsenal should have moved on Wenger, and that would have been a natural move for him um, to go down there. But um, that never materialised, and Moyes was sort of left in this limbo where. Things turned the other way, really, and by the you know his momentum had gone and all, all that sort of stuff. So we got you know a, a Moisu's momentum had already gone anyway. I feel that's just my personal opinion on that, and I feel like perhaps that's the same with West Ham this season, uh, last season. And yeah, all right, they did win the Europa Conference League, but the novelty of having Moise after having brought him back, by the way, and, and they had that sort of little peak under him, but then. There always comes a little point with my a David Moyes team where there's a bit of disillusionment. I think they were there; they were already there with um, with the West Ham fans and everyone at West Ham. But obviously, there's a stay of execution that's granted by the fact that they've won a trophy and the fact that whenever you talk about a successor, the only person who's ever mentioned for anyone below the top six clubs is Nuno Santos. <laughs> it's kind of like just waiting for where he goes next um, as he ticks on like his bingo card of all these clubs that he's been to. He might have even been to West Ham, I don't know. But um, but it's like that lack of a successor, really, and it does make you think about the wider argument of there not being that many great coaches and managers at the moment that so many of them have been recycled to do uninspiring jobs. Um, but, you know, that's West Ham's... I think one one manager who is doing an inspiring job, Paul, is um, the manager of United's opponents on Boxing Day. Um, Unai Emery, who, um, like, let's be right about it, he, he was made a figure of fun uh, by the British press, like they do with the foreigners sometimes. Uh, the, the good evening thing when he was at Arsenal, you know, um, he was a nice guy, and 
you know, he was eaten up and carved apart by the press, but he's come back to um, Arsenal, uh, to Aston Villa, succeeded Steven Gerrard, and United have already suffered um, at the hands of a good Villa team under Emery. Um, and they really are going places. I mean, I, I do, the league table never lies. I would say it's a false. I do feel it's a false position in terms of where they the will finish. Um, I don't think they're contenders for the league, but I do think they're, they're probably outside a bit for a, a top four Champions League space, depending on a team like ourselves or Chelsea or Spurs just not getting our act together in that last um, third of the season. That they're a team who could take advantage of that. Um, certainly top six. Um, and they have beaten Manchester City. They've beaten Arsenal in recent weeks. So I was trying to rack my brains over the last time that they they beat the top two in the same season. It might even be as far back as 95 or 96 because they beat us on the first day of the season with the you can't win anything with kids thing. And then they beat Blackburn who'd won the title the previous season. Um, so, yeah, um, so it's a really good Aston Villa team at the moment and, and they'll come to Old Trafford expecting... Um, probably expecting a positive result, um, especially considering the way that Bournemouth came to Old Trafford. They won't be feared, will they, by, by coming to Manchester? No, no, not without a doubt. Well, without no doubt, I should say. Um, the way they are playing, the higher they're on, that belief is something that I would say was what Manchester United was all about. And the one thing about Villa is that they're a high-energy team, which is a little bit of a worry. Um, when you look at them, they're, very, they're a very athletic team and you look at United and they're not really an athletic team. Um, Villa are very good on the counter, but they're very good in general play as well through Luis in midfield. So um, it does make it interesting. Generally, these games are good games, are really good games, United v Villa. So um, my hope in this one's a good, it's, it's just as good as they have been, but you have to... So he's going to be a tough one to get three points out of. And, you know, the most important thing at this moment in time is that to go to go away, from, to go to West Ham and get something positive out of it because it's been positive after what's happened um, to United, going to Manfield. Good things come back, good individual performances. I thought Varan had one of his best games for Manchester United as well. Yeah. I thought he played really well on his, on his, on his left side. And he looked and he looked comfortable. He yeah. didn't look out of place. Everything he'd done was right. Everything was right defensively. He looked like he he looked like he was kind of barking orders out as well. You could see him doing it. He just seemed so much so comfortable. I've never seen him look so comfortable. And maybe that might be down to Johnny Evans. Yeah. Johnny Evans' presence. Maybe you need someone like that who he feels assured in, someone who he someone who he trusts next to him. And I saw a different Varane. Not Varane, that the press have been trying to cause friction between him and the manager. That looked nothing like it. If there is a problem, he was professional enough to not bring it onto the field. Yeah. So, um, but I would say that they need, they don't, they, they've got a little bit of momentum now. I think everyone was pleased about what's ha what happened at Anfield and the way that the team went about it. And I thought it was a, a good 90 minutes what they've done there and they don't want to go and lose don't want to go and lose that god knows what's happening to my screen now i have no idea I don't know. I, there. you got some fireworks 
I don't know what happened. Um, so the Villa game is comes into more significance if United don't go and get anything against West Ham. That's when again we have. That's when the, the drama all happen again with the media looking for something. And the best way to answer them is to go out, perform, and get results. Yeah. Um, a quick one before we go. Um, the Athletic this morning reporting that United's budget for the transfer window will allow for two loan signings. So, um, with that in mind, Paul, are United better off just sticking with what they've got? For I mean, does it does it add anything to bring anyone in? Do, do, are they just better just navigating through it? And, and sort of like sticking with what they have. Yeah. Loan signings are so, so difficult. If it's a loan because you are going to buy them and you can't do it, for me, that works in a way. But if it's a loan, I don't know, you, you're going to let people out. There, there's always a problem. I mean, you look how the Amrabat is on loan and you've got Reggion who's on loan as well. He hasn't been bad, but you've got Luke Shaw back now. So that cuts down on him. That's so, and then you got Amrabat, who done all right at Anfield. Do you think it will get with the loan be taken? Will they carry it on after um, to go out and buy? I would say no. So it's a it's a difficult one. It's really difficult. Are, are the loan players right in their head? Are they happy about going out alone? Do they want to prove a point? Um, what was his name? Um, the Austrian who come and played. No, so they, yeah, the Austrian. Yeah, I mean. I thought he looked quite good, Wayne, yeah. in certain bits, but he never got a fair crack of the whip. He never got a run of games. Yes, he got a few injuries, but he never got a run of games to play. And mm. because every time he did play, you're just looking, you're going, wow, that's, a, that's very composed. Knew when to run into the box, put himself in good areas, but never got a run. So I don't know. How, when you talk about Manchester United and you can only go out, go out and get loan players. You're kind of thinking, you know, you know, it's something that reminds me when I was managing non-league football. If, if my chairman come out and said, you know, I said to him, I need so-and-so, we can only do a loan ball, I'd be ecstatic that I can go to another club, a higher club, and try and pull someone down to, to get. I'd be ecstatic, but for Manchester United, it, it doesn't seem right. That doesn't fit what the club's all about, to be perfectly honest. I don't know what you feel about a wine, but it, it doesn't it doesn't fit well. It doesn't sit well with me. No, I mean that's the reality. I mean it's not something I'm, you know, overjoyed about. Um, I mean, the fact is that since we we signed Casemiro and Anthony eighteen months ago, there was always going to be this moment in time where the the speculation to accumulate, you know, this is what we speculated against. And unfortunately, we're not in the position what we were spec speculating against. We're not in the knockout stages of, of the Champions League. The financial situation hasn't um, improved to the point where there's enough collateral in there to, to spend the money. And I, I guess maybe that's partly why um, everyone's waiting for this Ratcliffe thing, because we don't know what kind of injections that there in terms of capital for transfers and and no one what? knows exactly, exactly when it's going to happen. All I keep, all I keep reading oh, in two, another two weeks, another two weeks. Yeah. So <laughs> there, there's clarification that needs to, to come on that. And obviously United's 
the 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 lone thing is to do with how they operate within FFP and everything like that. And all right, it's good for United to sort of toe the line with that because we've seen the punishment that was dealt out to Everton. But you know, I, I do feel like it's a bit of a false economy as well because until the Manchester City thing is resolved, I feel like what's the point in playing a competition? Do you know what I mean? It's heavily weighted in their favour. There's no point going through the procession of it all when City are obviously going to win this league. They won the last one. They won the one before that. They've won so many with the trophies that it just feels like a, a waste of a competition, a waste of these players' careers until this gets sorted out, really. And that's a wider point argument, really. Just I can't believe that the Premier League are allowing this to operate, but this is the, the financial constraint within which United are operating. For what? For what really? Do you know, it just seems I, I just I don't get that element of it. I get it from United's point of view because I don't want us to over speculate for the point of bringing in, let's say, about Vegas for six months. Who he was likable, but did he add anything? Even if they bring in a player who was good for three years, do you know, is it is it worth it based on, upon the point that United might get points deducted or or something like that? So all these things to consider which are, are difficult um I, I wouldn't i wouldn't go in for a loan because I, I do feel like you know we've seen through Mena, we've seen through garnacho the value of bringing in players like that whether we've got enough of that caliber um different question probably probably we don't or they'd already be around um but again it is an element of temperament coming into it like we said with fernandez who went on loan earlier in the season um so I, I don't know it's it's a tough one it, it doesn't sit easily with me paul i'll be honest um but i was expecting it in terms of the, the um anthony and casemiro signings from last year i knew the reality of it just being in the reality is quite difficult when again the other thing is to challenge for the champions league but what what for this moment in time you want to get in the champions league you want to be in there to compete and we didn't and we should be aiming for better than that and I don't know, I feel like if the structure is based on a long term to get to competing for trophies, that's a different thing but if it's just to lurch from qualification to the Champions League to the next qualification for the Champions League, then we're not functioning as a club properly anyway um, so we'll see Um Anyway, nice long ramble to end. Even I promised Paul that there wouldn't be a ramble in the pod because of my voice, but I managed to croak my way through to the end of it. Um, Robbie says, Merry Christmas. Um, Wayne and Paul from Dublin, wishing you both Merry Christmas. As you notice, our other, our, our resident Dubliner is not here, so um, we'll, we'll take that um, Merry Christmas greeting from you, Robbie, because I'm sure that Dave's too grumpy to send it. Um, We'll be back with Dave probably in the new year. We might we might find some time in the next week, um, but I don't want to pull the guys away from the Christmas separation. Se celebrations, separations. Um, it's a time for separations as well, isn't it? So, apparently, according to statistics, um, I'm rambling too much. If you've enjoyed the, the show, if you, if you give us a like and subscribe on, on YouTube, if you can... Um, Give us a positive review on the audio platform you're listening back on as well. We'd really appreciate that. We'll be back soon, guys. So stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.